coming up on today's episode. What made me laugh, Shell, is he said, my wife and I are moving on. Like, what's coming next? And I was like, you're moving on. Yeah, you're moving on to your book deal. You're still rehashing the same thing you've been talking about for two years. Yeah. If you're going to move on, just move on. Let it lie now. You said what you want to say, let it lie. And also... Right, I'm just going to start with this straight away. How disgusting is it that Megan is expected to go on a royal tour four months after she's given birth? Where's her maternity leave? Especially when, for instance, she's probably breastfeeding or, you know, loads of different things happen to your body after you give birth. The fact that she was not given time to recover, I had so much more compassion for her than I've ever had. Like, whoa, hang on Mm. a second. That doesn't feel right to me. So stay tuned. Grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors, dedicated to the royal family. Each episode will be crammed to the rafters with opinions, news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of Windsor. With your hosts and royal fangirls, Rachel Andrews and Michelle Thole. So grab yourself a cuppa, straighten up your tiara, shine your knighthood, round up your corgis and and let's let's keep up with the Windsors. Hello and welcome to Keeping Up With The Windsors. My name is Michelle. And I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Harry and Meghan's Netflix docuseries, The Second Installment. If you haven't listened to episodes one, two and three and you'd like our thoughts, that is in our last episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are going to be going deep in this one, right? There's <laughs> lots to unpack, isn't there? So many thoughts about this next instalment. Yeah, definitely. If you are new to the podcast, you've never seen Rachel and I before, we are white British women. And so we will be talking about topics such as race. And we do understand there may be some biases when it comes to that, but we will do our best. And we said in our previous episode, we wonder what future us is going to say and how it's going to be. And I have to say, there were some really picky bits, you know, some really juicy bits that we can get to chat about. But I didn't think it was as bad I thought it was when they first announced they were going to do a documentary. Yeah, and I think we said this in last week's episode that what we thought was going to be these big bombshells, actually, when we watched the series, it wasn't at all. And it was like all the best bits were in the trailer and the way Netflix cut the trailer was not what you saw on the series. So that's been really interesting to watch from that point of view, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. We're going to break these down into episodes. So we're going to start with episode four, then episode five, then episode six. And let's get straight into a rage. Episode four, we start off with their wedding. Who doesn't love a royal wedding? I remember at the time watching this wedding, I was so excited. I had a little tea party at home with my family. We were all watching and we were like, yay, Harry's finally getting married. Yeah. <laughs> we were all so excited for him and so happy for him. And yeah, this was them showing their day from their perspective. And we got some really nice photos and videos that we previously haven't seen before. And we learned that on the day Megan was sitting there with a mimosa with a croissant and she was listening to the song going to the chapel <laughs> I mean it's a classic isn't it it's, a classic. <laughs> it's cheesy but it's a classic it has to be said I loved the pictures of them in St George's Hall especially when they were on the top of the balcony it was probably a, a sea of guests at the bottom looking down and again we're never privy to those things so it just felt like we really did have a snapshot into their day and Megan was talking about the day she was saying that Charles, as we know, gave her away. And she said that he was very charming. She said, I've lost my dad in this, him as my father-in-law. That was very important to me. And I thought that was a nice sentiment that she brought across. Yeah. And they also mentioned that Charles helped pick out the orchestra and put a few things together for them. It was a very unique royal wedding, I have to say, in that regard. We've never seen anything like it. And I absolutely loved the choir they had there as well. Just amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. I love a gospel choir. Love a gospel. But we love choirs here on the podcast. But yeah, the wedding cakes were beautiful. And we learned that they cut the cake with a sword. With a sword! Just like the Queen did. Just like the Queen. I love it. And I have to say, their first dance, A Land of a Thousand Dances. I never knew this song was actually called that, FYI. Yeah, me neither. But as soon as they started playing it, I was like, damn, this is a good song. (laughs) And all the way watching it, I just could not get that song out of my head. I was like, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it was really good. I mean, everyone loves a wedding. And I think, to be honest, the energy within the... I mean, we can only say it from a British point of view, but in Britain was just so palpable. Everyone was so excited. And when we saw the pictures and behind the scenes, it did transfer into that lovely occasion. So that was the wedding. But then, Rach, it took a little bit of a turn for me personally, because I got secondhand offended. Right, go on. (laughs) And the reason why is because Harry and Meghan were staying at Nottingham Cottage in the Kensington Palace estate. It's a two bed. It's been kind of valued at about £7,000 a month if it was rented out to just a normal person. And they are staying there as senior members of the royal family for free. And I felt absolutely like a kick in the gut when Harry and Meghan are just like, it's too small. My head hit the... the... I was like, hang on a minute. This is a free (laughs) cottage that I think it looked lovely. I mean, fair enough. Cottages do have low ceilings that's kind of the thing isn't it yeah i'm such don't look a gift horse in the mouth for me i think and maybe it's because of the climate we're in at the moment in britain we're in a cost of living crisis we probably say it every single podcast <laughs> but we are it, it just came across like a spoiled brat for me and i yeah. just didn't like this bit at all yeah because they were basically saying oh you think of living in a palace and it's not what you perceive as living in a palace is like i mean we've been to kensington palace state apartments obviously that part that's not what it is like is it that's the old part when queen victoria lived there you still got a free cottage it's for free you don't have to pay any rent on it yeah you don't have to pay a mortgage so i was exactly the same as you i was a bit offended by this and i was like okay like oh sorry your free house is too small for you (laughs) yeah so it might be a little thing but it really did feel like they were twisting the knife in like read the room read the people who were actually watching it yeah, it it just, it came across really, really bad. And Rach, then we had Oprah. When then Oprah was like, they would never believe it. When she looked around this tiny cottage <laughs> in the real estate of absolute amazingness, which is Kensington. It's like, oh my goodness yeah. me. Anyway, let's move on. So then Megan was talking about shortly after she joined as a member of the royal family that she had her first engagement with the Queen. And she made a point of saying she treated her as her husband's grandmother. She obviously had that respect that she was the queen. Yeah. But she said that the last years of her own grandmother's life, she helped take care of her. She was like, this actually feels like a family. And the queen is that grandmother role. And then linking into that, because on their first engagement was the one year anniversary of the Grenfell Tower fire. And she was saying that she had actually become close to some of the women that had survived that. It showed her visiting these kitchens because at the time, these people were living in hotels for such a Mm -hmm. long time. They didn't have their own kitchens to cook in. And their culture, cooking is what feeds their souls. Yeah. So Megan was like, what can we do to help you to raise funds so you can be making food every single day in your community hub? And so that's when they came up with the Together Community Cookbook. And I remember this at the time because Doria actually went on this opening, didn't she, for the cookbook? Do you remember? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we had the podcast, we would have been all over this engagement because it was amazing. It really was. It was in the grounds of Kensington Palace. And Megan mentioned that this was the first time that she made a speech on her own in the royal family. So it was a big deal at the time. Do you see how like there was lots of juxtaposition? Because one moment they're moaning about being in a small house and then they're showing people who were actually displaced through an absolute travesty that was Grenfell. It's just like read the room. It was really jarring to watch. But I did actually like this aspect of the docuseries that they put this in. Well, we've always said, Rach, that we hoped that we would actually see some of their work that they're doing outside of the royal family and pop that in because we actually thought this was going to be just a camera crew following them around as they were doing these engagements and that's not the case at all so let's move on then we next have their first official tour in Australia and this is when it was announced that she was pregnant with Archie because Megan had already started showing and they were on a 16 day trip I remember this at the time because this was when they was at their height of their popularity weren't they Mm mm-hmm They were really popular with the public, but apparently the institution, the palace, were threatened by that. Harry said, when someone's marrying in, they should be the supporting act. Stealing the limelight or doing the job better than someone who was born to do this, it shifts the balance. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's um quite interesting watching Megan during that time because she was fresh. She was new. There was this excitement. We were all happy for Harry to get a partner. It's been a while for Harry, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on. And now, you know, now he's got his wife and then he's just starting to create a family. And yeah, we were all super happy. And I think maybe what happened is the tabloids saw the goodness of that and thought, right, okay, everyone wants to know about Megan. And they just went the opposite way. It's really sad, actually, when you think about it. Yeah, because they were saying that they spent a night at Buckingham Palace after an an event that all the royals had been to, including the Queen. And the next morning there was at breakfast and it was Megan that was on the front pages. And she said, oh, it's it's not my fault. And obviously it's not that she doesn't know that she's going to be put on the front pages of the paper and that's when Harry said my mum felt exactly the same way and then they Mm. played another clip of the Panorama interview yeah and I was just like they're just playing so many clips of this interview like please stop yeah please just stop they also were bringing up the differences between Catherine and Meghan with the bump, uh, w- you know, the coverage that they got that was very different. Also about avocados and how it was good for <laughs> Catherine, but it was bad. I don't know what, what they say about avocados with Meghan. I can't, can't remember, remember now. No. I know, but like the Duchess difficult headlines. And then Meghan said that on a Liverpool walkabout, a woman had said, what you're doing to your father is not right. And it was like a turning point for Meghan that she realised the people were starting to believe the things that they were reading in the tabloids and that there was no stopping it. Like she can't get her truth out there. And in their minds, Harry and Meghan, they knew at this point that it wasn't going to change. In episode three, she mentioned that some of the principal members of the royal family were saying, they'll just get tired of you. Like, I'll be fine. They just, this is like the initial bit. And then it goes after that. It just steadies itself. But it just never did, did it? This is when what Meghan said in the Oprah interview comes into this because she's said that she was having suicidal thoughts didn't she yeah she did and this was totally heartbreaking Harry felt devastated he knew she was struggling he felt angry and ashamed and he said what took over was my royal role yeah we brought this up in the podcast before why did he not try to get her help he was in a campaign with William and Catherine called Heads Together together. and he'd been doing a lot of work with mental health yet he Mm. can't help the one person that he's supposed to protect to help the most yeah. in the world. And what's quite interesting is Megan mentioned about going to Portland Hospital in London and that she was very close to the doctor she had there when she was talking about giving birth to Archie. At this point, she would be able to be in a room with somebody on her own. She would have said, look, I need to speak to somebody for my mental health. Do you know anyone? We can pretend that I'm just coming here. Do you see what I mean? Like, I'm not, that's not me shaming her. That's me saying, I don't understand. I really don't understand this argument of them not being able to get her help. Or I think Harry alluded to the fact that it wouldn't look good on the institution. I'm sorry. Mental health is massive. It's massive. Everyone would understand. And another thing is you don't have to go out. You could have had professionals come into your house to help you. Yeah. Again, when you have that many resources on your doorstep, you can talk to charity heads. You've got the phone numbers of these charity heads that you actually work with. Yeah. Why can you not get the person that you love the most in the world the help that she she needs? And Rach, Doria said it broke my heart when she said she wanted to take her own life and that vultures are picking away at her spirit. And vultures, she meant the tabloids, didn't she? I yeah. think she meant the tabloids and then she meant the grey men in suits. Yeah, yeah. And this, mm. you know, as a mother, that just must have been so hard to watch. Your only child go through something like that. But again, why did nobody try to help her? I don't know. It just feels, this just feels weird to me. And remember I said last episode that I had like my little truth slash lie detector radar on. I don't buy it because there's so much to do with mental health that they, especially Harry, has been connected to. And maybe that's what he's saying, that he felt angry and ashamed now looking Mm. back because he allowed that royal role to take over. Yeah, so obviously all these things are going on in the media Mm. and then... Harry said, William and I saw what happened in our dad's office and we made an agreement that we would never let that happen in our office. Yeah. Then they had another one of the commentators come on that had been on the previous episodes and they said every Christmas they have a staff party 
and that Kensington staff party became two parties. And this was the split between the offices of Harry and Meghan and William and Catherine. Mm -hmm. And that created more media attraction, didn't it? Because I I remember that at the time, every single day you was reading a different story. Yeah, because they became Kensington Royal and the other team becomes Sussex Royal. So what was interesting about this is... I think this was the first time that Harry and Meghan assumed that they would be able to take control of their own narrative. But what Harry alluded to was not only was the other principal members' offices, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles at the time, and their offices were kind of batting against each other. We've also now got Prince William's office batting against everyone else. And Harry said that like the two institutions work together. And if anyone from the palace, I mean, this is a really close call here, Rachel, I'm just going to say it. (laughs) Anyone from the palace who is listening right now, (laughs) if you're out there and you're part of the royal community, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that I would never want that for my royals. And I hate the fact that that is supposedly, because we don't know for a fact, but supposedly happening. And if that is happening, sort your houses out. Mm. Because not just that, but this institutional kind of back and forth is going to be passed down to George and then his kids and so and so. And I don't want that to happen. Mm. Let's sort it out now. It's a complete mess and it's ridiculous. We don't know, Rach, whether if they did sort that out, Harry and Meghan would have stayed, right? We just don't know. But they did make a, a big point that they would have been great in their Commonwealth roles, which I do believe in. But They've lost that chance now. Yeah, because he said that he'd rather get destroyed in the press than play along with the game or the business of trading and to see his brother's office basically copying his father's, the yeah. same thing that they both promised that they would never let happen. He said that was absolutely heartbreaking to him. And I'm telling you what, I wholeheartedly agree with him because I wouldn't deal with that circus. No way. I, no. I just couldn't deal with it. And I think that's what you get throughout so and so's feeding this story. Yeah. Well, that person's done that so I need a story to back that way from so I'm going to give you this story and it's never actually individuals mentioned it's always the institution so yeah throughout this whole thing that's all you get is the press is bad the institution's bad and I guess from watching the whole of it like you just said it's like something needs to change because yeah this this is just going to keep happening yeah and I as a royal fan do not wish that on any of them and I don't think they should have had to have gone through that but the way in which the firm has has been, you know, these are these are hundreds of years of debates and contracts and stuff, but there needs to be change. This isn't a normal, rational person's response to things. This isn't how you're supposed to, quote unquote, do business. Remember our good old Tommy Lassels from The Crown? <laughs> it's like Tommy. Each, each one of them have got a Tommy Lassels 2.0. Tommy Lassels, sort it out. <laughs> Get it fired and get people in that are fresh and don't want to have this complete, it's a rot. It feels just so rotten to his core. Get Tommy Lassels out. They are the grey men in the suits, aren't they, Tommy Lassels? <laughs> oh, Tommy Lassels. Hilarious. Anyway. Anyway, anyway. We're blaming Moving on, Tommy. On. Moving on. It's the moustache. <laughs> Let's move on to Megan's baby shower. Yeah. Because again, this garnered a bit of controversy, didn't it? It did. It did. So it was really nice to see Megan with her friends in New York at the Mark Hotel. We saw them flower arranging um, in the pictures that they showed. They then said that there were all these stories because it was oh, well, who's paying for this? She was saying, you know, my girlfriends had all come together to throw me this lovely baby shower to show their love for me and my future baby. And the press is trying to degrade it and turn it into something different, change the narrative. Yeah. Do you know the one thing that I thought though whilst I was watching this? Oh, this is awful, Royal Community. I'm so sorry. But I actually thought, ah, you got your passport to go over to New York, (laughs) didn't you? And I actually thought as well, you flew on a private plane, so who paid for that? Yeah, I think her friends did. It, honestly, her friendship group are really tight. I mean, I would love to have millionaire friends. I, I mean, say, I love you, Rach. And they're really rich. And they're really rich. <laughs> I know. But isn't it interesting? The Gail, Oprah's best friend, went to the baby shower. And then we also saw Gail pop up a little bit later with Tyler Perry, which we'll talk about soon. So it's quite interesting how it all weaves together. So I think what they were saying with the baby shower 
shower was your partying on taxpayers' time and money. And they're like, no, I wasn't. Yeah. Like, what? She can't have a day off. She can't go and have a baby shower with her friends. Behave yourselves. <laughs> Behave yourselves. And then they moved out of Small Nottingham Cottage. And they've been Because <laughs> it was tiny. <laughs> it was tiny. And um, the Queen's like, oh, well, I've got this house on the Windsor Estate, Frogmore Cottage. Why not have that? Yeah. So now they're at Frogmore. Megan gives birth to Archie. Little Archie is here. And there was debates of, we're always waiting for those royal women to come out holding the baby. We expect that picture outside the Lindo wing. We've had it with all of them, haven't we? All Recent of, yeah. time, George, Charlotte, Louis. <laughs> Princess Royal did it. Princess like she, Royal did yeah, it back in the day. she's like really hardcore. She's like, nope, nope, nope. But she even yeah. did it. So that's how much pressure is yeah. on the women in that family. Megan was basically saying she wanted to have the baby at the Portland Hospital because that's where her doctor was based and she trusted her doctor and that's who she wanted to deliver her baby. She was willing to do the photo call, but they were saying because of where the steps were, it would be blocking the emergency exit. So they couldn't do the photo call there. Well, fine. What about if we show the baby at Windsor Castle? And so that's what they did. And that's when we had Megan with Harry and Little Archie come out at St. George's Hall, which is really nice, actually, because that's where they had their wedding reception. Well, circle again the press picked on on this was because usually when a royal prince or princess is born you're seeing them the day of the birth Mm -hmm. and actually we saw Archie two days after this obviously upset the press because they were not getting the photo call that they wanted and also there was some press actually saying that they were told different things at different times like Megan had gone into um, labour so they'd all rushed to the Linda wing and she wasn't there and like loads of different things then they went to Windsor and then she wasn't there and then all of a sudden Harry popped up and said oh she had the baby yesterday or whatever it was the narrative then changed to them being selfish for not showing him earlier we've said it time and time again don't get me wrong like I love seeing George Charlotte Louis I'm one of those people where I remember when George was born it was such a big deal here in the UK Mm. wasn't it Shell because obviously this is the next heir to the throne yeah that I was waiting for that Lindo Wing picture I was waiting for it I admit it I was one of those people that was watching the live feed like come on when are they going to show us the baby like I really want a shot of the baby but I can't imagine giving birth and then having to put makeup on having to have your hair done putting a nice outfit on and having to present my baby to the world's media when you've literally been pushing that baby out of your body like a few hours yeah. earlier exactly like, it's not just that but you you might be having stitches you might have had complications none of that is anyone's business and that child should be able to just enter the world and have a relaxed mum and dad rather than having all this stress around them constantly. I think it's absolutely abhorrent that people ask that of women these days. I think Doria alluded to this, that it's not our baby, it's the institution's baby. Although we were treated to some lovely pictures of Doria holding little Archie when he was yeah. a newborn. <laughs> yeah. So cute. Oh, and then the tables turned and Danny Baker put out that tweet, didn't he? It was like a picture about them coming out of the Linda wing holding a chimpanzee and I was just like it was just disgusting it was so disgusting like I couldn't remember this and then when they showed it I was like oh my god like I literally cannot believe that someone would do that yeah but what's interesting and it's a point I think I want to make about the whole series they pick out these specific examples and then generalize that that's everything that like everyone was thinking at the time and I just thought that wasn't my reality the amount of people I knew talking about Archie and them and how fresh and exciting it was it just wasn't my reality and I think it wasn't a thing within our community no so that doesn't mean it's not happening outside by the way it's just they never showed the other side of it and I wish they did yeah you would have liked to have seen maybe people being excited for example over there being a new baby yeah yeah and they didn't show that they just showed the negative side yeah they did let's move on to Archie's now four months old and they're going on their first royal tour of South Africa right I'm just going to start with this straight away how disgusting is it that Megan is expected to go on a royal tour four months after she's given birth where's her maternity leave Especially when, for instance, she's probably breastfeeding or, you know, loads of different things happen to your body after you give birth. The fact that she was not given time to recover. And then when I looked at her on this South Africa tour, I had so much more compassion for her than I've ever had. Because to be honest, when I saw the South Africa tour, it didn't even connect to me that it was four months after Archie. And this really did like, whoa. 
hang on a second, that doesn't feel right to me. I remember actually watching this documentary at the time. And obviously, we didn't have the podcast back then. But there was a massive fallout, wasn't there? Because the journalist, Tom Bradby, was interviewing Megan. And he asked her if she was okay. It was like a conversation of everything that you've been going through with the press. You've obviously just had a baby. How is everything? Are you okay? And she kind of like looked and he was like, I take it, everything's not okay. And she not was okay. like, no. Mm. Obviously, she's not going to say exactly what's going on. But again, like you said, the more I look at this now, she didn't obviously say it. And I'm just thinking out loud, like generalizing. But she could have had postnatal depression. Of course. She could have bleeding. She could have had like loads of complications after her pregnancy. We don't know any of these things, but it doesn't matter. It was four months after. It's disgusting. She should have had a break. And she was still hormonal. She even says that. She was yeah. like, just before, I think she said I had a cry. Yeah. You know, that's probably like a lot of stress to be put under. She's got the new baby and it's all this outside pressure and especially the press. What's mm. going on in the tabloids? Yeah. It just added to all of that. And I think I agree with you, Shell. Like, I've said my fair things about Megan in the past. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've said them on the podcast as well. So you can probably listen back to my thoughts on her. But I'm with you on this. I did feel watching this back now, I do have more compassion for her about yeah. what she's gone through. Yeah. Absolutely. And more community. You you might be listening, being like, no, like, what are you talking about? Like, I absolutely yeah. do not agree with you there. Yeah. But that was just my thought of watching this back because, as I said, I remember watching this tour, this documentary on this doc- tour. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a big thing on ITV at the time, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And this was the first time we were really seeing Archie, wasn't it? From when yeah. he was a newborn to four months old. I can't believe that they did that tour four months old. So. Do you know what, though? In her Archetypes episode, when she mentions Archie, and she mentions the heater that was on this tour, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I wonder now, thinking back on it, because I was like, why is she so emotional? Like, there was nothing wrong. Archie was completely fine. But now knowing where she was at four months afterwards, of course she would feel that way. So again, I am starting to kind of connect a few more dots than I didn't have before. And I, again, want to say to the men in grey suits, the institution, sort it out. That is not right. We as normal British citizens do not expect that from our royals. Do not do that to people. Do you know what's weird? Is the next time we'll be having this sort of conversation, if the podcast even exists then, is when George has a baby or Charlotte has a baby or Louis has a baby. Yeah. It will be interesting to see if anything has changed. I absolutely doubt it. I think that in the spider web so far that they don't even know that they're caught up in it. And I'm sad about it. I'm really, really sad about it. I love them. I will follow them. I will look at their engagements. We'll talk about them on the podcast. I'll talk about them. <laughs> of course. But I'm just, to my core, upset with the way in which the institution is set up. Let's move on now to episode five. So how does this start, Rach? So she's basically saying, I did everything I could to make them proud and be part of the family. And then the bubble burst. I wasn't being thrown to the walls. I was being fed to the wolves. Her dad was talking to the media and it was embarrassing for the royal family. It was suggested by the Queen and Prince Charles that she write a letter to her dad. This is when all of this starts. Her writing a letter, the letter being leaked and the subsequent lawsuit on Associated Press. What was interesting about this and a bit of information I didn't know was Harry and Meghan had said that they'd gone to the Queen and Prince Charles and said, listen, we need to sue. This is goes beyond the invisible contract. And it was one of those things like, yeah, we'll get it sorted. We'll get it sorted. And they never did. And it took a lot of courage, I think, for Harry and Meghan to go, no, we'll do it ourselves. Mm. And um, Meghan said that was like the first time that they went against the institution. And then it kind of all started snowballing from that point. Yeah, because they went to Canada, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And for a um, bit of space is what for a Harry bit of said. space yeah and they were saying you know we were passionate about our work within the commonwealth but then i when i was watching this i was like hang on a minute a few episodes ago you had a commentator that was slating the commonwealth and yet you're saying you're proud to be working on behalf of the queen for the commonwealth I make know. up your mind it's a bit that was a bit contradictory to me anyway it was. And, and I think in one of the episodes, they were saying they specifically showed the Queen and all of her work that she's done within the Commonwealth and then said it was like British Empire 2.0, wasn't it? The commentator yeah. said. But then they were saying we'd be great ambassadors for it. So where are you going with this docu-series? Is it that you don't like the Commonwealth or is it that you wanted to stay in the Commonwealth and you would have done great work? 
what is it? Are we for or are we against it? Are we going to slag mm. it off or are we going to actually fight for it? I got so confused. Yeah, and also they were talking about that they might move to New Zealand because that's a Commonwealth country. Yeah. And then they were talking about South Africa. Yeah. My whole thing with this show, and I think maybe they didn't go into this, but I'm thinking on behalf of the institution now, is that as taxpayers, we pay towards the monarchy. We pay for their upkeep, basically. If they went to live in any of those countries, as a taxpayer myself, a British taxpayer, I would be like, I'm not paying for them if they're living mm. in another country. Yeah. I have always had the hat of not all royal members of the family should live in Britain. They should live in other places in which the queen, the king now, is head of. Now, how that gets funded, I'm not quite sure. Maybe possibly from the duchies. Because it's strange to me that you can be a head of a state, but not reside there or not visit it on a yearly basis. I think that's the reason why I was always like, you know, William should live in Wales. According to them, the institution was saying that, as we just mentioned, public funding. And they were like, well, we'll fund ourselves. And then they said that it got leaked to the Times. And then the plan was scrapped due to public debate because, again, as a taxpayer, we should have a say in whether we pay for them or not. It is a very interesting debate. But again, they are the heads of that country. So maybe offer the country an option. If you want a royal member of the family there, you can, but it will cost this amount for them to be hosted there. And what was interesting about this is that when they were having these conversations, Harry brought it up with Charles and Charles said, put it in writing. And Harry didn't want to because it had previously got leaked. Yeah. And he said, we were willing to relinquish our Sussex titles if need be. So when I was watching this, I was thinking, so if you were willing to do that then, why are you still using them today? Yeah. So that brought up another thing for me. I was like, hang on a minute. If that's the case, don't be using them at all. If you can give them up to be going to live in Canada, yet now you're living in America, why are you still using them? Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying, Rach. But what I didn't understand about this conversation in its entirety, they said that within the royal houses, they'd all had communication and it was signed off that Harry and Meghan were going to live in South Africa. But when it got leaked, it then was like, no, we're not going to do that. But if it already got signed off, what is the big deal? I think what happened is it had backlash. And you know what the institution are like? They're like like a tortoise. I literally think the institution is a tortoise. And when it sees danger, it just goes inside its shell. Like, oh, no, we can't deal with this. It's ridiculous. Like, get a backbone. (laughs) Megan actually made a point of saying that's when she realized that the family and the family business, meaning the institution, are in direct conflict with each other. Because again, we've said this on the podcast before. There's a very fine line. Charles is king, William will one day be king, George will one day be king. Although they are different, although obviously they are family, it's one in the same thing. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. And we've seen that play out throughout the whole of history, from the abdication, from Margaret and Peter Townsend. There's been these massive cataclysmic things that have gone against family and the business, you know, the institution. You've only got to look at the abdication of King Edward. Yeah, but you know what's really funny, Rach? I actually thought that they would make a connection between the abdication and they didn't. Yeah, I don't think they went there though because there's always that similarity of Wallace Simpson was an American. She was a divorced woman. And then, Shell, we have the Sanginum Summit. This was a big thing, wasn't it? This was such a big thing. I remember reporters actually standing outside Outside. Like watching yes. on the news through like conversations like how do you know what conversations are going on inside you've got a secret yeah. camera in there yeah I tell you what personally I think this was the first time I'd heard a negativity towards Harry and Meghan from the royal community around me like what are they doing why are they stepping back and I tell you something that Harry and Meghan did allude to and I guess we'll go on to in a second about why they did the Oprah interviews because people didn't really understand why they left at that time no one understood what was going on because we wasn't privy to all of the tabloid stuff because I don't read tabloids I didn't see any of that stuff it was quite a tumultuous time I have to say Mm. so what was interesting was Megan had gone back to Canada to be with Archie and they had set up this meeting and she said that she was not invited for quote 
a seat at the table, even though the decision affected her life. And I actually thought that is true. Like yeah, she should have is. totally been in on that conversation. Do you know what though? My first thought was if it was me and somebody didn't bring in my husband, I probably would have video called him. Like, right, we're having this conversation, you know? But I thought about it on the opposite side. And I think they wanted to talk to Harry just straight up. Like, you're my brother, you're my son, you're my grandson. Then he wouldn't be able to be swayed by something that Megan might potentially say so I think it was strategic to get him on his own to say look are you thinking straight about this is this something that you want to do or is this something that Megan wants you to do and again I don't know whether that was said but I'm just thinking like why would they have made that decision and I think it was very strategic that they did this he's talking about there's five options on the table one being all in Five being all out. Option three, half in, half out, where they have their own jobs, but they also work on behalf of the Queen. And then I was like, so what What was option two and four? I wanted, I wanted to know what option two and four was. <laughs> Don't give us five and then only tell us three. Yeah, I was like, so what were the other two? Like, let me know. Yeah. This is what I want to know. What do you think the other two were, Rach? I don't know. Three quarters in, three quarters. I don't know. <laughs> you could be in the family, but not live in Frogmore yeah. Cottage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have no idea but then obviously this is being picked up as well is he said that he was terrified of William screaming and shouting Charles was saying things that weren't true and my grandmother was just quietly sitting there and taking it all in also Rach when Meghan and Harry leave if they do leave if their roles change that leaves a lot more work for the rest of the family to do and pick up their charities and stuff so of course William is angry he's fighting for the institution that is going to help his son as well so like harry's been saying all this time that i'm doing this for my family but so was william and charles at the time charles is a different story because he's got two sons going in opposite directions granny was probably sitting there thinking oh my god what is going on i've been <laughs> here a, before <laughs> give me a break i'm in my 90s i can't be dealing with this and also we have to remember that queen elizabeth is the product of an abdication so for her, it's like, oh, gosh, like, is this going to change the whole like premise of us as a family? Yeah. And I bet the queen was like, why does it always happen to the second son? Why do we <laughs> always have issues? <laughs> and it was very true, actually, what he said. And I do actually think this is the thinking behind it as well, is he said that the queen's perspective is there a way of doing things. She's been through a lot in her life regarding the institution and being the monarch. He said the goal is always the institution. And it just reminded me of, of the quote in The Crown. The Crown, the crown must wins. win. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know. Oh, We've got Tommy Lassels in this episode. We've got the. <laughs> it's all going on. It's all going on. The crown is real. <laughs> <laughs> it's not royal community. <laughs> but the thing is, when he said William was screaming and shouting, I can imagine the frustration on his yeah. part, on Charles's part, because again, like Harry says, the institution, the monarchy, is William's inheritance. So, of yeah. course, in a way, he has to have both hats on, like the Queen, like Charles, is they mm. have to have their royal hat on and their yeah. brother, their father, their grandmother hat on. Mm. It's very hard because all oh, this is going on on the outside, but until it's fixed on the inside, nothing's going to change. Totally. Completely agree. And Jill, Harry made a very important point, which I never really thought about, but he said that there is a hierarchy, not just by blood, but also financially in, in the institution. Because if you are not in the line to the throne, you are then being financed by people who are. And that was quite interesting as well. The power within that family dynamic must also be so skewered, depending on where you fit within that line. Well, we said this the other week, show is if Harry was still in the institution, it would be William giving Harry his salary. His salary, exactly. From the Duchy of Cornwall. Do yeah, the Duchy of Cornwall. Yeah, which is so weird, isn't it? And it just reminds me, like, sometimes you want to have a good scrap with someone, but if they're paying, like, your rent and stuff, then it's, it's a different dynamic, isn't it? Really is. So then Harry and Meghan's leaving story was, again, vilified in the press, and it was William bullies them out. So the institution put out a joint statement from William and Harry but Harry said that nobody asked his permission to have his name on that yeah. and they were willing to lie to protect my brother and yet for three years they were never willing to tell the truth about us yeah and I think 
this is the point that Harry's trying to make. Do you respect me enough as a son, as a grandson, as a brother? Or is it just business? Because if you loved me, if you wanted to protect my family, then you would have done X, Y, and Z. But that didn't happen. But then they did it straight away for William. But William was second in line to the throne at the time. So there's the hierarchy there. It must be just so difficult being in that family. When Harry makes claims against the family, my protectiveness comes out. But then I let that protective guard go down and say, what is he actually saying here? And I had to really think about whether I'm believing the Kool-Aid that they're giving or whether it's just a propaganda piece from this documentary series. But I have to say that I do, because we've heard it before from the BBC, the princes and the press. We always say that about that documentary from the BBC. That really opened my eyes to the way in which the institution is. Watching The Crown, I know I'm going to say it, but you know, we see what has played out in the past. And if you want to look at what the future is going to bring, you always look to the past to give you the answers. And because the institution is so old, we're able to have as much of the history books at our disposal as possible. So this is nothing that was shocking to me. It just disappointed me that it's still happening now. Yeah. Cheryl, we've said this before, but we are not on Twitter because of the amount of vile, disgusting comments that come out, not just to do with the royals, but anything. I mean, everybody has an opinion, but the amount of bots that are on Twitter is absolutely incredible, right? Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting. And we found out in the documentary that there was a report by Bot Central. And it analyzed 114,000 tweets. And out of these tweets, 70% were from 83 accounts that reached 17 million people. So they were hate propaganda content towards Megan. And these accounts were highly coordinated and deeply networked. And it, it might have been Harry and Megan, but it was mainly to do with Megan. And um, it was just absolutely disgusting. Yeah, because there were some tweets with people saying things, vile things like, I hope Megan dies. And I was yeah. like, wow. And also, Shell, her half-sister Samantha ran some of these accounts. Yeah, and they had a disclaimer that said Samantha Markle had said that her account got hacked. And that's the reason it got taken over by hackers and another like 11 accounts were under her name. But they actually said that they were using VPNs to not get banned off Twitter. It's ridiculous. 83 of these accounts. I can't believe how they can reach 17 million people with such vile hatred. Yeah, it really is vile. And then they were talking about their last week as working royals. And they went to Westminster Abbey for the Commonwealth Service, didn't they? Yeah. Harry said in regards to his family, it looks cold and it felt cold because this is the first time that he had seen the family since the news had broke that they were leaving as working royals. Yeah, and I think, to be honest, we all saw it, didn't we, in that engagement? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was so I remember evident. watching that. You could, it was you could so... cut I, the atmosphere with a knife. Yeah, a sword. So you could cut it with a sword. Yeah. <laughs> it was so icy cold. I can understand the hurt on both sides. I can understand yeah. the hurt on Harry and Meghan's side. I can understand the hurt on Charles and William's side as well. Again, from being a royal community member at the time, a lot of people, and even I thought, the way in which they left the institution felt very very abrupt and it felt wrong didn't it yeah not knowing how long these talks had gone on and there was so much in the press from what i've read now saying like they blindsided the queen i don't think they did blindside the queen the queen don't get very much past the queen she knows everything <laughs> she's like everyone kenobi <laughs> <laughs> jimmy um, yoda i don't know <laughs> More community if you know, you know. <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah, and then they head to Canada for a bit of space, for a bit of freedom. And then they actually end the episode with loads of paparazzi, loads of tabloids hounding their house because now they know where they live. And they have been alluding to the fact that the institution has been leaking their locations this whole time. They didn't actually say that, did they, Rach? No. Um, and then Harry says they're going to remove the security on the 31st of March, which was what, like three weeks, wasn't it, from the date that they were filming? Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, yeah, you've left the monarchy. The taxpayer isn't going to pay for your security now because you've left. 
That's the reason why. It's not because you're Harry. It's not because you're Meghan. It's not because they don't care about you or Archie. It's the reason you have it is because somebody else pays for it. And now you're not giving the service to the country. Then the country takes that service away from you. And we've made this point before. Then we get Harry saying he's on the freedom flight. Yeah, so we're moving into episode six now, aren't we? Episode six. So he's on the freedom flight and we find out about Tyler Perry. Yeah. And he emphasised that he'd never met Meghan before, but he wrote a letter to Meghan at the time of everything that was going on within the press and saying like, if you ever need anything, let me know. So Meghan phones him and she's crying down the phone and he just really empathises with her. And then they cut to more footage of Diana because he said that he remembers watching this footage of Diana in an airport and she's got the tennis racket over her face and she's just being followed with all these paparazzi he felt like that's exactly what Megan was going through so he offered up one of his houses in LA to them I mean let's put it this way Tyler Perry's written a letter to Megan she's never met Tyler Perry before she then calls him because in his letter he said if you need anything you can always call on me I mean she called on him Rach <laughs> she called on him he was showing the house on his phone Harry said oh yeah that will do and I was thinking oh yeah a big nice mansion yeah that will do <laughs> yeah during Covid yeah during covid of course he's gonna do he's not gonna hit his head on a beam there is he yeah exactly (laughs) oh goodness me i tell you what though i have to say the amount of people who were great friends with harry and Meghan, i love it i love the fact that all these people are rallying around them so basically what happened is they were getting hounded in canada their security was getting pulled and so that's the reason why Meghan got in touch with tyler perry he then flew them over and they stayed tyler basically said to them you can stay for as long as you want and she said no We'll probably be here for like a week or two before we get another place. And I think they stayed for about six weeks. They said it was really blissful. Nobody knew where they were. But somehow, Gail King is on telly asking Tyler Perry about the whereabouts of Meghan and Harry. So it's like full circle, Gail. Like you're either in or you're out of the friendship group. What are you doing? Come on, Gail. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So then the press again, the Daily Mail finds out their location and posts it on their feed like the Daily Mail do. Tyler Perry said that all of the paparazzi just descended on his property. He had to put up trees and fences and then he said celebrities live in this canyon and they've never seen anything like it. And I keep telling the royal community, royalty isn't celebrity. And this is one of the biggest kind of like differences. It is like on a different level. And it's so hard for people to grasp that if they've only experienced celebrities. Being royal is so different to being a celebrity. So when he said that, I was like, yes, yes of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Harry's talking about the ongoing war with the press. He said it's a fight worth fighting for. And then at the time, Megan was pregnant and she had the miscarriage, unfortunately. Um One thing I want to say about that is I actually believed what Doria said about Megan being brave and courageous because after knowing everything that they've gone through with the press, the last thing you want to do is be vulnerable and share your story about miscarriage with the world. And the fact that she did that was very brave and courageous. So it just goes to show actually, doesn't it, how much faith you have to have in your supporters to mm. really rally around you. So, Shell, shall we move on to, I swear, this should be a drinking game. <laughs> Royal community, if you listen to the podcast, how many times did Rachel and Michelle mention the Oprah interview? <laughs> <laughs> we started with the Oprah interview. We're finishing with the We're finishing. Interview. But I tell you what, not as much as Harry mentions the Megans like Diana. So, you know, oh, we've God. got a bit of competition there. They're talking about the Oprah interview and they basically said they wanted to do that because it was like them filling in the blanks that others were filling in for us. So again, it was like they wanted to get their side of the story out. Again, how many times have we heard their side of the story? And then we had Doria saying that she was really proud of Megan after it had aired. We had various friends and then they're sitting at their desk and um, Megan's like, oh, Beyonce just texted. <laughs> I can't believe she knows who I am. <laughs> I'm like, you did meet her, love, didn't you, at the Lion King uh, premiere? Like, Beyonce, get Megan's number. Like, who's giving these numbers out? They're saying about security. Uh, security starts at home. <laughs> well, obviously, they're friends now, aren't they? So... 
because of the Oprah interview, the main thing that came out was the racism element of it, because there was that whole conversation with a member of the family asking what skin colour Archie was going to be. We had the clip of William the day after the Oprah interview aired here in the UK. Catherine was meant to be going on a solo engagement to a school. Mm-hmm. And William actually went with her. And as he was walking in, a journalist said to him, is the royal family a racist family? And he says, we're very much not a racist family. And then Buckingham Palace released a statement that now famous recollections may vary. Yeah. Megan's reading out the statement on the phone to Tyler Perry. And then it cuts to, hey, just got a text from his brother. Yeah. And it's like, so what's on this text? Tell me, like, I want to know what's on this text. I'm not kidding. When that happened, I t- I gasped like, <gasps> like, are we going to find out? Are we yeah. going to find out what heck? And then Harry shows Meghan, but then that's it. Yeah. Like, because then Harry was like, I wish I knew what to do. And I know what you needed to do. Show me the text. That's what you needed to do. Show us the text. Show me the receipt. <laughs> I know. But what was um, very interesting was the kind of package around the Oprah interview, because they did have massive backlash. We actually saw them being filmed watching the Oprah interview and you could see there was a bit of like relief on Meghan and Harry's face afterwards and then they kiss and I thought whoa it was so shocking when I watched that interview but to them it it felt like more of a release so then we move on to the very sad time of when Prince Philip died Harry goes back to the UK for the first time since leaving as a working member of the royal family and you hear one of the producers say what was it like going back and he admitted that it was hard he said William and Charles kind of had tunnel vision and I was like well yeah because Charles's dad has just died and like you William's just lost his grandfather Mm, yeah he's basically saying they were having a conversation after the funeral and he said that he's made peace that he's not going to get genuine accountability from them yeah he basically was saying along the lines that William and Charles were listening listening to the noise of the institution rather than listening to the truth of their experience. Yeah. And then what made me laugh, Shell, is he said, my wife and I are moving on. Like, what's coming next? And I was like, you're moving on? Yeah, you're moving on to your book deal. That's what you're moving on to. Like... (laughs) You're still talking about the same thing. You're still rehashing the same thing you've been talking about for two years. If you're going to move on, just move on. Release this documentary and let it lie now. You've said what you want to say, let it lie. But you've got a book coming out. So again, you're going to be rehashing this in a month's time and that comes out. But Rach, we also have to make it clear that there is a bill going through Parliament at the moment that hasn't been passed yet to actually give Charles the power to take titles away from people. So that's quite interesting that that is happening now because that didn't happen with the Queen. That's something that the institution has put forward to Parliament. So we haven't heard anything else yet, but maybe this is going to be the Trump cards, the get-off-free-jail cards, for Charles as a warning to family members. Like if you step out of line, then you're going to lose it. We've spoken about this before, Show, and we've always heard that Charles wants a more slimmed down monarchy. If you follow any of the European royals, you will know that this is exactly what's happening with the Danish royal family at the moment, is that Queen Marguerite has changed the succession so that her grandchildren who are currently a prince and princess do not have those titles anymore and subsequently from that her son is now moving to America Mm. to go and live and work with his family so this isn't just something that's happening within the British royal family but it's because they are the most famous royal family within the whole world but if you look at the smaller European royals there are things like this going on in other royal families as well definitely again only time will tell with this whether that will be used to take the titles from harry and Meghan or subsequent other members of the family so then we've got baby lily according to harry she's very much like a spencer she's got the blue eyes and reddish hair we find out that lily's godfather is tyler perry yeah and tyler perry did a massive dig didn't he i don't want to go to the christening if <laughs> it's gonna, gonna be go to the christening if it's gonna be over know. there with them okay don't go then <laughs> don't go then i I will queue up 13 hours and and curtsy the Queen. You do your thing. There was the clip of Meghan receiving a phone call from her lawyer saying that she had won against the Associated Press, Mm. the appeal against the Mail on Sunday. This is the time when Jason Knauss' testimony was used in that appeal. This was the first time that we'd heard from him. And that's how we now know that Meghan corroborated with Omid Scobie and Caroline Durand for the book Finds in Freedom. Now, we did a podcast 
actually, and we called it, did Megan lie? And to be honest, I think we were quite harsh on Megan in that episode, wasn't we? Yeah, we was. Yeah, because what happened was, it, it came in two parts, the court case. The one part of it was all of the newspapers um, stuff that they've dug up. And then we kind of reacted to that. But then the second part was hers. And it was like, oh, right, okay. But regardless of whether you have any of this stuff, two wrongs don't make a right. And what they did was wrong. So of course she was going to win, regardless of what dirt they dug up, which had no connection to it, if that makes sense. So I'm glad she won. I'm glad she won against the newspapers. Harry was saying about there's, again, that symbiotic relationship. We use yeah. that word a number of times, haven't we? Yeah, drinking game. Between the two institutions. So again, mm. the institution of the monarchy yeah. and the British media. There was a massive thing about Jason Knaff's testimony, actually, in the court case, that it was connected to William giving him permission. And there was a part of the series that they were having this discussion about William must have given the permission for Jason Knaff to give this statement. But actually, at the end of the episode, there were some disclaimers and Jason Knaff had actually said no, he'd been summoned to give this evidence as part of the investigation. And then there was also another <laughs> another one that said that the... Duchess of Sussex's lawyers have said, we didn't ask for that information. He said, she said, what's happening? What is the truth? Who knows? Harry misses the weird family gatherings, the UK. And he also mentioned that he's lost friends in this process. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting point to make, Shell, is that in this docuseries, they've had several of Meghan's friends, but they only had one of Harry's. And it was a friend from Eton, wasn't it? We did see Eugenie in this episode, Rach. We did. They went to the Super Bowl, didn't they, her and Harry? They did. Yeah, yeah. She was playing with Archie by the beach. And the way they finished this, it was so funny. It reminded me of, did you, do you remember the reality show, The Hills, back in the day? My mum watched that and my sister, they loved it. I never got into it, but I know it. I know who you're talking about. They used to drive in the car and they'd be staring out the window and it'd be like a really like pensive shot. And I just felt like this was such a, like a reality shot of like Harry driving in Santa Barbara. I was like, oh God. Yeah. The whole series comes to an end where Megan reads out a poem that she read on her wedding day. She said it's very un-British of the brides to speak on their wedding day. And I can clarify that it, it is a tradition here that it's just the groom and the groomsmen that talk. Royal community, thank you for sticking around with us. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you for still being here. Overall thoughts and opinions. I honestly thought by the end of the last episode, I was kind of like, just finish now. How much more are you going to say? I think this could have been cut down to four episodes. And they just spread it out to six. I think the way Netflix cut the trailers made it seem more controversial than anything that was actually in this series because it's all things that we've heard before. The majority of things that are in this is what's been said in the Oprah interview, what's been said in the Cut article, what's been said in Variety magazine. You know, it's nothing new, but it's just obviously them telling their story their way. Yeah. I do feel more compassion for Megan on a whole after watching this do I still think there are inconsistencies absolutely yeah absolutely I don't agree with everything and what Harry said at the beginning is where I still stand I don't agree with how they've gone about things I wish they'd never done the interview because I feel like if they had released this documentary on its own people would feel more compassion for them because this brought more of a personable side to them. I get more of a sense now of who they are and the reasons for why they did what they did, but I still don't agree with the way that they did it. And I think now you've released this documentary, you've done several interviews, you've got your book coming out. Please, after this, just stop talking about it. Mm -hmm. Like if you're out, you're out. Like that's it. Yeah. But I've got a feeling that we're not going to hear the end of this. All these interviews took place in August and the filming, that's when it stopped. Since then, we've had the Queen pass in. We've got the King's coronation coming up. Yeah. We know that they have a 100 million reported deal with Netflix. Yeah. We don't know what else is coming out apart from this docuseries. We've heard something to do with Invictus because they were being filmed around the Invictus games. But we don't know. They could release something else in next year. We just don't know. As a whole, I thought it was a very interesting insight into their lives. It really did feel um, like the first three episodes were completely different to the last three and I wonder why they did it. I know they were saying about their truth, 
But who was this for? Because is this going to change the institution? No. Is it going to change the press? No. But it may potentially give people an insight that they may not have been privy to before. And that is something that they did give us as people who watched it. I do feel more compassion towards them both. I do understand now why they left. I don't understand why they did the Oprah interview. It makes no sense in in the grand scheme of things. But I think, from my understanding, and this is just my personal opinion, I think it's been heavily edited because some of the editorial choices didn't make sense to me. Some of it was like, well, why are you bringing that up and then saying another thing in another episode that's different? There are inconsistencies still in some parts of their story, but I'm leaving it feeling satisfied that what they've said, most of it feels true to me. And I'm just really sad that this could possibly still be happening when George is older and his children, you know, all the other uh, members of the family. I feel really sad about that. And also I'm sad that William and Harry's relationship has completely imploded. But then, do you know what? I wish that they do find peace and I wish they do stand in their truth and do well in this world with the money and the privilege that they have. And only time will tell whether King Charles will take those titles from them. That is another debate for another podcast. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for listening to our bonus episode this week. Let us know your thoughts. I'm sure they're very different to me and Rach's. <laughs> Remember, all of our opinions are valid. Come on over to Instagram and let us know what you thought of the whole series and whether your opinions of Harry and Meghan has changed. I'm quite surprised that mine has changed, Rach. I'm quite surprised as well. I do feel a bit differently towards them now that I've seen the docu-series. Well, I want to finish the episode by saying, if you want to follow us, we're over on Instagram, Keeping Up With The Windsors pod. We also have lots of raw content over on YouTube, Keeping Up With The Windsors. You can also find us on email at keepingupthewindsorspod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support Michelle and I, you can buy us a cup of coffee over on Ko-fi. It's £4 slash 6 bucks, And that helps to support the channel. Next week, we got our Christmas episode. So make sure you stay tuned and you subscribe to the podcast and we will see you then on keeping Keeping up with the the windsors. windsors